any of us who've been in it for long enough, our entire career has been littered with jobs that we didn't get, projects that we thought were going to go for sure. Dozens of unproduced scripts littering the floor. All of us are running into both major and minor failures in Hollywood every single day. For every success, there is months, sometimes even years, of painful failure. This is one of the only businesses I can think of where failure is the default. That's the norm. You have to be able to persevere. Like everything in our business, your hands get callous and it all bounces off you. Uh, you know, that process takes years. That doesn't happen overnight. I was being told by my manager, it's yours to lose. And I promptly lost it. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, well, that's it for me. I blew my one big shot. What I've realized from that moment is it's never one big shot. There will be other shots. Framing into the Hollywood Abyss is brought to you by Scriptation, the Emmy Award. It sounds awful when you say it. Let, let somebody with a more charming accent do this bit. Screaming into the Hollywood Abyss is brought to you by Scriptation, the Emmy Award-winning app for anyone that reads scripts, makes notes, organise them into layers, and save hours of time by automatically transferring those notes into new script revisions. Sitha listeners can get a free month of Scriptation by going to scriptation.com backslash Sitha. Now that's how you do it, Noah. Welcome back to Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss, a podcast about rejection, failure, and adversity in the entertainment industry. I am, as ever, your non-industry co-host, Dan Rutstein. And I am still in the industry. My name is Noah Evslin. On today's Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss, I'm excited to introduce TV writer, producer, and showrunner Eric Guggenheim. In 2004, Eric exploded onto the Hollywood scene as the screenwriter of the Kurt Russell hockey movie, Miracle. He then wrote on such shows as Parenthood, Hawaii Five-O, and Magnum P.I., which he currently executive produces and showruns. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So podcasts come out on a Thursday. This is a very rare weekend recording of the podcast. So, Eric, why would somebody as successful as you choose to spend part of your Saturday morning talking about rejection, failure, and adversity? (laughs) um honestly uh during the week it's just it's so i'm so busy you know and uh uh it's just the weekends are just easier um uh for me especially you know in the morning but uh um so yeah i mean that's uh thank you actually for for doing this i know you guys don't normally um, do these on the weekend so i appreciate you accommodating uh, my crazy schedule yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm happy to hear there's a bit of Schadenfreude. I'm happy to hear people's failure rejection stories, even on the weekend, because it inspires the rest of the weekend. Because obviously, this is all about how difficult the industry is, but then obviously how you turn that into success. So obviously, as always with these things, now I read out your credits. You've done some amazing things. Tell us about the beginning of your career, where things probably weren't quite going as smoothly and where you started questioning whether this was the career that you wanted? Well, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, I actually got started very early. I was 23 when I sold my first project. I got very lucky uh, very quickly. Um, I had, I went to film school, you know, uh, 
I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to work in in film and television. Um, I, I I wasn't sure what you know what role you know uh, I, I I wanted. I thought maybe uh, I'll be an editor, I'll be a producer. And then uh, towards the end of my senior year in college, I started writing, um, and and I started writing more and more after I graduated. And, you know, within about, I think about 18 months of graduating college uh, and and writing, writing features, also, you know, trying to break into television with my brother, Mark, um, I was, you know, fortunate enough to write a spec that, um, uh, you know, opened a lot of doors for me and put me in a lot of rooms. And uh, off of that, I was able to sell a feature and, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, I went from being an assistant uh, on a desk uh, in New York uh, uh, for a pretty big theater agent to overnight having, you know, a, uh, a career as a screenwriter. And uh, that, uh, for about the first, you know, I think about four years or so, um, I, uh, you know, I was working pretty steadily. And then, uh, you know, I just, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, the careers have ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys and all that. And then there was a period of about, you know, four or five years where I barely worked. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't get anything going. I couldn't, uh, you know, the phone wasn't ringing, you know, I'd go up, go after open writing assignments. I wouldn't get them. I'd get close. I'd write a spec. It would go on weekend read. Everyone would like it and want to meet you know, no one wanted to buy it. So, um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't even remember what the question was. And, uh, but, um, <laughs> well, you, you basically answered it, but I, I, you know, you, you brought, you brought up your other Mark and obviously Mark Guggenheim has come on this show. So let's, let's, let's dig into this, this unique family you have, because for those who don't know, not only do you and Mark write screenplays, but you have a third brother who writes screenplays. And I know that Mark was a lawyer before he was a screenwriter. We went into that a little bit, but talk about the family dynamic at home, especially talk about your parents who, to their horror, at some point, one of the sons became a screenwriter. And then they're like, well, at least the second son's probably going to do a normal job in the third son. And then the second son became a screenwriter. Then the third son became a screenwriter. What happened in the home to you know, make you guys all decide that this was a career for you? Do you come from a family of writers? How did your parents respond? And then, you know, this is a podcast about, you know, failure, rejection, and adversity. But obviously, at some point, your parents realizes, realized that their boys were a success. And, and talk about that feeling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so we, um, you know, it's interesting. We, you know, no one in our family was, uh, you know, you know, in the arts in any way. You know, our grandmother was, you know, an amateur artist, a very good one, a sculptor, um, a painter. But um, you know, we, you know, we we knew we didn't know anyone in the industry. But uh, you know, we we loved you know movies and television growing up. Um, our grandfather was a huge uh film fan um and uh you know i remember him showing me citizen kane and casablanca and uh charlie chaplin and uh you know um we all <clears throat> we all um you know demonstrated you know some artistic ability uh you know early on um and uh 
Um, you know, and, and, you know, Mark, Mark was a, you know, he was, you know, kind of like a born writer. He was a very, very gifted writer, even from a, you know, from a young age. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't really write very much growing up. I didn't write short stories. I, I did a lot of drawing. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we were fed a, a steady diet of, uh, of movies and television, um, and, uh, you know, um, I, it, you know, it's kind of crazy that, you know, our parents were, you know, supportive of us, you know, pursuing these kind of crazy dreams. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't, they never stood in our way. You know, no one ever said, well, you know, can, you know, go become an accountant or, you know, you know, find a, you know, a normal, you know, a normal, you know, a normal job, um, so uh, I, you know, it, it it's it's amazing to me because, uh, you know, I, I you know I I have I have a daughter now and and, you know, I I can't imagine her you know kind of going into this business and uh, I don't know how supportive I would be, um, but our parents were um, and uh, you know like I said you know earlier I <clears throat> I was lucky enough to you know uh, you know, gets, get a little bit of success pretty early on. And I think it gave, you know, Mark, you know, the confidence, uh, to, uh, leave behind his law practice and, uh, you know, and take a big swing. Um, and, uh, you know, David as well. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, it is, I, I still kind of marvel over how we all just ended up doing this. Um, it's, it, it's, it's really, it's wild. I, you know, speaking of the relationship between your brothers and I, you know, again, I'm not in your house. I don't know if you guys are close, if you hate each other, but I did notice <laughs> that, you know, looking at your credits that you don't mostly share any credits. And I would think, you know, you talked about the four or five fallow years where you were having trouble and obviously your brothers have created shows and have been worked on shows. Has, has there ever been a time where you felt like you wanted to call Mark or David and say, Hey, I need some work. Can you, can you help me get on the show? And or did they call you and say, Eric, this is my fallow years. I need some help. I mean, because it's your brother. You're going to try to do your best to do whatever you can. But or have you kind of carefully navigated a career where you didn't need to work together? And or are you all planning <clears throat> on creating the Guggenheim Super Show together? And that opportunity just hasn't happened yet. Uh, that would be fun. And Mark and I have uh, spoken recently about, you know, trying to team up on something. But, uh, you know, at the, in the very beginning, Mark and I, you know, we're, we were trying to break into television together as a writing team. And, uh, you know, we we had written, you know, this is like the late 90s. And back then, you know, what you did was, you know, you you looked at, you know, a show that was on the air and you wrote a sample. So we did that. We did uh, a law and order. We did a couple of picket fences. Um, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we, uh, it ultimately, you know, we got, you know, we were able to, you know, get some representation off of that. We, we got a manager and, uh, and we got, uh, hip pocketed at an agency and we went on, you know, we went, you know, we took some meetings, but, you know, nothing ever happened. Uh, and then, you know, meanwhile, we were each separately working on our own stuff and, you know, for, you know, for some reason, you know, uh, you know, people wanted to work with us individually and didn't want to work with us as a team. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you know, I, I spoke, you know, briefly about this sort of four or five year period where, you know, nothing much was happening. You know, I would, you know, get like, you know, I, I did a production rewrite, you know, and, you know, that was like three weeks, but then, you know, 
six, eight months would go by and, and nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been working, you know, uh, at one point for about, you know, 10 years or so. Um, and Mark, you know, had really, you know, he was, he had been writing in television for years and he kept saying to me, you know, you should think about staffing up on a show. Uh, you know, I think you'd like it, you know, because it's, you know, you've been by yourself in a room banging, a head, banging your head against the wall for 10 years. Um, you know, you might enjoy going into an office and, and being among other writers. And he had a show uh, that he co-created called Eli Stone on ABC. And at one point he asked me, you know, do you want to write a freelance? And I'm like, yeah, great. I mean, that, that, I mean, I love the show. I mean, um, I was, I was, uh, even if he, even if he hadn't worked on it, I would have been a big fan of the show. Um, so, uh, you know, he brought me in and that was my first experience in a writer's room. I mean, I had literally, I had never been in a writer's room before, not, not even as a guest of someone. It, I felt like such a schmuck on day one. Like it took me an hour to figure out like who the person was sitting at their laptop typing and taking notes like I and not speaking, you know, I had no idea. Like he didn't like I should have asked some questions like what what can I expect? But, you know, um, yeah, it took me like, a, you know, an hour to figure out, oh, that that person must be an assistant of some kind. Um, and their job is to just capture everything that's uh, being pitched in the room. But uh, so anyway, um, you know, I, I, I was in the room. I was in the Eli Stone room for about three days and the show got canceled. And uh, they actually, they wouldn't pay me for the script. They, they wanted me to write the script, like the studio, like they wouldn't pay me unless I wrote the script, even though the show was canceled. So um, it was actually, it was actually a co-write. Um, so I ended up uh, co-writing a script. Um, but honestly, just those three days in the room, I had, I had so much fun. It was great. You know, it was, it was a great, it was a great group on that show. And then off of that, I decided you know, I'm going to, I think, I think I want to do this. I think I want to join a writing staff. And then, you know, I, I went, uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, the, this answer is now sort of like, you know, like I'm, it's going off track. The, the question you asked was about, uh, you know, if Mark, you know, David and I um, had, you know, ever worked on anything or had other, you know, helped each other out. We have helped each other out in the sense that, Hey, I'm really stuck on this story or this idea you know, can we get on the phone and, and talk about it? But as far as like, hey, can you, you know, can you call this person or that person? I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's really ever happened. Um, you know, because I, I, I think we've all been pretty fortunate and and when we've, we've, we've gotten lucky um, and, and we've been able to, you know, all kind of work steadily for, for a long period of time. I think you should lean heavily into it. And three of you get together, pitch a procedural set in a New York museum or art gallery uh, and go go to full Guggenheim. Um, so I just want to ask a question about, we've, we've had this before with somebody where they, and no one always gets upset with them when this happens, when someone has instant success at the beginning of their career where they haven't earned it yet, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. uh, because obviously a lot of people go through you know, they're that person who's not allowed to speak in the room, you know, for a few years before they finally make it up to the top. But obviously, you know, you 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 had your I can't really use home run for a hockey movie, but you you had your uh, your big hit early. Um did that distort your perspective of what this industry's like, as in 
oh, maybe it's easy. And then you then started realizing a bit later that perhaps it's not quite that easy. No, no. And, and when by the time that movie came out, I was already pretty cynical. I you know, <laughs> that movie came out in in two thousand four. I for, I sold my first project in nineteen ninety seven. So uh, you know, I had you know seven years of you know of of working and you know uh, you know rejection. Um, I mean, I I I'd been earning you know a, you know a decent living. I was you know I I. Um, you know, was able to quit my job as an assistant and immediately start working. And, you know, I, I you know, I would, would write one thing and then that would lead to, you know, uh, an assignment at another studio. And then, you know, I'd sell, I'd sell a pilot, um, you know, nothing, but nothing was getting made, you know, uh, you know, in the case of Miracle, you know, I took that out as a pitch, you know, I sold it, uh, I wrote it and then was, you know, very quickly replaced, um, which you know happens, you know, in 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 the feature uh, business, um, and then that just happened to coincide with uh, you know this really sort of cold spell that I was having, um, you know, as as a writer, and uh, you know I, I I did you know have have instant success, um, but at the same time I I I I knew enough to know that I really. I, I wasn't in in a lot of ways prepared for it, um, and I, I hadn't I didn't I hadn't written that much, you know. I, I had I had you know, written one spec, um, and it got me in a whole bunch of rooms, and uh, you know, and it, it launched my career. But you know, I I you know I was just twenty three years old. I didn't really know, you know, uh, you know how to. Uh, you know, um, how to, how to do this. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, just trying to, you know, you know, learn my craft, honestly, and get stronger as a writer. And, you know, I remember there were, you know, you know, my agent at the time would say, you know, you need to stack deals. You need to, uh, you know, you, you know, you got one thing, you know, you need to start booking other, other gigs, you know, and, you know, basically strike while the iron's hot. And I, I actually said, I, I don't want to do that because I, I just want to, you know, focus on one thing, do a great job. And, uh, you know, and, and I kind of, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I knew enough to knew, to know that, you know, you can, you know, you can have instant success and then, you know, within five years, you could be out of the business. I think the average, you know, uh, career for a writer, I, I read this once, I think the the WGA had had put this out. It's like eight years, like that's the average. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be one of those people. I, I, I wanted to have like a career with some longevity. And I've been fortunate enough now, you know, that I've been doing this for, uh, you know, you know, 25 years. Um, so, um, you know, I, uh, you know, like I said, by the time, you know, Miracle came out, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I was already, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have any, you know, sort of, you know, my, my view, you know, wasn't distorted at all. Um, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I, I'd had, you know, success and failure, you know, uh, you know, uh, leading up, uh, you know, to that point, you know, and then the movie came out and, you know, it got me in a few more rooms. And, you know, once again, I was, you know, being considered for, you know, different open writing assignments. I would go in, you know, I would, you know, spend two weeks, you know, put together a pitch, you know, really kind of break out the whole movie, 
you know, and then not get hired. They would go with somebody else and, you know, for whatever reason. And, and this happened, you know, uh, like I said, for about four or five years, you know, um, you know, and then I, uh, you know, um, and, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's so strange because then like all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, a few years, you know, it all of a sudden, like, you know, you get one thing and then, you know, you suddenly get momentum again. And, uh, and that's, that's what happened to me. I sold a pilot and that pilot led to, you know, a mini series. And then I sold another pilot. And then, um, that was around the time that, uh, you know, I did this freelance, you know, for Eli Stone and decided that I wanted to staff up. Interesting. So as an outsider, one of the things I always find fascinating, this whole thing about features and writers being replaced. So just a very small question that I feel I must know the answer to now is, did you, were you allowed to go to the premiere? Of yeah. Europe? Yeah. Yeah. I was allowed to go to the premiere. Um, you know, you, it, you know, contractually, they have to invite you, you know, yeah. even if they hate you, you know, yeah. you, you, you're guaranteed two tickets. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, uh, you know, and at that point I had seen the movie a couple of times, um, you know, beforehand, but, uh, but yeah, it is, it is a strange, you know, experience. I mean, it's, you know, and it's obvious it's not uncommon, you know, in features, um, you know, it, you know, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll spend months working on something, you know, you'll take it out, you'll sell it. Um, and then they just want to go, you know, they, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, there's so many different reasons why, you know, someone's replaced, um, you know, in my case, you know, they, they just, uh, the script wasn't coming along as, as fast, I think, as they wanted it to. And uh, there was a lot of momentum behind that project. And and I had zero credits at that point. I, I had a lot of, you know, credits, you know, like unproduced, like stuff I had sold that didn't get made, but, you know, nothing that had been, nothing that had been made. So, um, you know, I, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and it's hard, you know, when, when that happens and, uh, you know, it, uh, but, you know, I, I tried, you know, throughout it all, I, you know, I tried to stay, you know, positive and, you know, and I, I, you know, my, my, you know, my agents at the time were, you know, uh, you know, really supportive and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, when, when that happens, you know, the, the, the only thing you can do, I feel at that point is you, you got to write something, you gotta, you know, you gotta move on, you gotta write that next thing. And, uh, and, you know, and then, you know, you can, you know, you can gain that momentum back. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think if I hadn't had, you know, some success and failures, you know, sort of leading up to the premiere of that movie, you know, maybe I wouldn't have known that, but, you know, um, uh, so yeah. You made a really interesting point in the previous answer about you wanted to, rather than just sort of stacking up projects, you wanted to go and learn your craft. And we've yeah. talked about this a lot. A lot of times we've asked people for advice and they say to aspiring writers, just write, you know, every script you write, whether anyone sees it or not, just makes you a better writer. Mm -hmm. So uh, possibly a harder question to answer, but at what point did you feel comfortable that you were actually a good writer? So, <laughs> you know, when did you feel like you'd not maybe mastered the craft, but you felt comfortable that you'd achieved that part of it and you felt that you could continue working because you actually had a proper foundation? 
honestly, uh, look, I'll be completely honest here. I, you know, I, I still lack confidence. You know, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have, uh, you know, talked about imposter syndrome on this show. I'm sure that that's come up. Uh, you know, I suffer from that, you know, quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I still feel like I have, you know, like I haven't quite mastered it. And I don't, I don't know that I, that I'll ever, you know, get there. Um, and for a long time, it actually, you know, kind of bothered me, you know, that I, uh, you know, that I, I, uh, you know, I, I, I would, I would beat myself up, uh, you know, quite a bit over, you know, a script that wasn't coming together. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, and, and then eventually I just, you know, kind of, you know, accepted like, look, this is, this is my process. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I do think that, that there is, you know, some danger in becoming a little bit, you know, too comfortable and too confident. And, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I really do, you know, believe that, um, I have, you know, I, I think in the past couple of years, I've gotten more comfortable with, um, you know, uh, it, it, it took me a long time to, to kind of admit this and, uh, you know, just, you know, through, you know, with years of therapy, I kind of got there, you know, I, I kind of realized I, I, I am pretty good at this. Like I, I, you know, I said to my therapist, I think about a year ago, like I'm, I think I'm a pretty good showrunner. Uh, you know, and it took me, a, it took me a while to get there. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, but, you know, that imposter syndrome is, you know, it's a very real thing. I think a lot of writers suffer from it. You know, I certainly do. And, uh, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel like I kind of live in constant fear that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, discovered and, you know, that they're going to realize, you know, uh, that I just, I just don't belong here. Um, and, uh, um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I, I want to stay on the subject uh, of your therapist because we've had 80, what, 81 guests or something on the show now. And I would say half of them have mentioned that they're in therapy and they've talked to their therapist and the other half probably are in therapy and just didn't mention it on the podcast. And if this was a <laughs> podcast about banking or private equity or whatever, I don't think anyone would ever mention that they were in therapy, whether they were in therapy or not. But I would suspect that more writers are in therapy than in other careers. And can we talk a little bit about why that is the necessity of, of, of writers going into therapy? Is it the job or is it the personality of, a, of somebody who becomes a writer who more gravitates towards, you know, just needing someone to talk some of this stuff out with uh, because it's, it's, it's painful. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's probably a combination of things. Um, you know, I, I think it's both the job and then, yeah, it is a little bit, you know, just that, that writer's, you know, personality. A lot of writers are, at least a lot of, a lot of writers that I know are, you know, pretty anxious, you know, pretty neurotic, um, you know, and, uh, but, but it is, it is a strange phenomenon. I, I, I wonder, I wonder actually if, if there's actually been, you know, some study, uh, there probably has, you know, someone's probably written a paper about it, but, uh, you know, it, uh, it is, it is kind of fascinating. I, I would say that, you know, of all the writers I know, I, I think certainly over 50%, you know, are, are in therapy. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it, it, you know, I, I, you know, I know for me that, you know, it's, uh, 
you know, it, it's something that, you know, is, is, is an absolute necessity. I, I feel like I, I talk a lot about my job, you know, in, in therapy, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, to the point where like, I'll like say to my therapist, like, are you, are you bored, you know, by this, like, you know, I like, as if it's my job to like entertain him, you know, <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I do feel like I, I, I spent a lot of time just, uh, talking about my job, uh, you know, in therapy and, um, um, it, it, it's a very, uh, and I think actually as the higher up you go, like in the hierarchy of, you know, of writers, you know, you'll see more showrunners, I think in therapy, um, you know, than not, that is probably well over 50% would be, you know, my guess, um, because it is just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very high stress job and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, as you, you know, once you become a showrunner, it's like, you know, there, there's, you know, there, there's obviously there, there's fewer showrunners than there are, you know, writers on staff and, you know, you, you kind of, um, you know, uh, it, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard sometimes to talk about, you know, some of the, you know, the pressure, you know, with, with other writers, because, you know, um, you know, they, they just don't necessarily, they don't have the same job that you do. Um, but I will talk to other showrunners, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely some, a lot of, you know, support there. Um, it's fun. It, it's, I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm, I, and I do this a lot. I I'm sort of going like off on, on a tangent here, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I do talk to a lot of other showrunners, you know, and sometimes it's, it's ones that, you know, uh, I don't even, uh, you know, I don't even know very well, but, you know, we, we each talk about, you know, the job and just how hard it is. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately trying to circle back to, you know, your question, which is why, you know, there are just more writers. I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, but thank God, you know, the Writers Guild has, you know, a very generous health plan um, and 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 covers uh, therapy because, uh, wow, I, I can only imagine where we'd all be, you know, uh, you know, without it. Um, I, I think I can speak for Dan, by the way, when we I can say we both love tangents. You can go on tangents. Tangents sometimes get at some really juicy, you know, personal anecdotes. But uh, so, you know, this kind of relates to your tangent, relates to the question I just asked. Uh, but I want to I want to start it by saying that whether or not you know this, you have a reputation for being a very nice showrunner. I know a lot of people who work for you and with you. So like they, Eric's, you, all you hear is Eric is great. Eric is great. Eric is great from a lot of people. So if you're from one person, they're probably beholden to you. If you're from six, it's probably the truth. So you you and I have had to, you know, uh, well, you, you've worked with some big personalities, let's just say. Uh, has that shaped how you run a room has that shaped some of the conversations you have in therapy like like how do you you know forge your own path how do you decide that i want to be a certain type of showrunner and mm -hmm. and you know dan dan normally asks the leadership questions i normally ask the writer related questions but i feel like we're reversing on this one talk a little bit about your leadership style and was it forged in fire like how did you become the showrunner that you are today um well i've only ever worked for two showrunners um and uh they both had, you know, very different personalities, very different, you know, managerial styles, uh, very, uh, you know, th their process, you know, of, of, of breaking story and writing, you know, was very different. 
Um, and they're both, you know, uh, you know, huge showrunners, both, uh, you know, uh, you know, really, you know, exceptionally good, you know, at their job. And I kind of, you know, picked from both of them. I saw, you know, uh, you know, what, what, um, you know, so, you know, my sort of like, I, I guess like, you know, just approach is to, uh, I, you know, you do tend to, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you learn from, you know, the, the showrunners that you, that you work under. Yeah. In my case, yeah, there were two, they were both, you know, in, incredibly successful, uh, very, both very good showrunners, um, just both very different styles. And for me, I just, I, I chose, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I borrow from both of them, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, there, there's, you know, I, I, and and also you know you 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 do learn a lot from you know the the other writers that you're on staff with you know um you know and i you know um i i spent 4 years on a on a show that uh you know had some you know just extraordinary it was like a murderer's row of 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 writers and you know a few of them had run shows before and you know would you know be very open about you know talking about it and uh, about their experiences and what they learned. And I, I just, you know, I, I you know, I've, I've been doing this now. I've been working in television for, I was thinking about this actually this morning, right before the podcast, for 14 straight television seasons. And uh, half of those have been either running or co-running a show. So the first seven, you know, I, I was just, you know, I'd worked for two showrunner, showrunners and, and, I, and I was just soaking up, you know, everything. And, uh and that just, uh, you know, when when I, you know, finally, you know, got the job that that, that I have, you know, I, um, you know, I, I'd seen kind of, you know, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, uh, you know, it, um, it, you know, it really, uh, you know, it, it uh, you know, I, I, I now I feel like I'm really rambling, you know, without a point. But, uh, you know, um, you know, another thing that that, uh, you know, just, you know, <laughs> thank God you said, you know, I'm free to go off on a tangent. You know, one, one thing that happened to me, I don't know if you'll find this interesting or not, but after third season of Magnum, I actually quit the show. Um, I quit for about five days. And, um, uh, and, and there were all, there were, there were, you know, a few reasons why, you know, just personal reasons uh, why I felt like I I had to step away and um you know uh after you know five days of, of of thinking about it um you know i i said okay i'll 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 go back but you know cbs was uh uh really they were amazing they were very supportive and one thing that they do for their showrunners is they offer the services of an executive coach and uh to all of them and i uh they said you know do you want to you know, do you want one? And, uh, and I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll, it's free, right. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, I worked with an executive coach who, uh, you know, also, you know, kind of helped me, um, and, and gave me some, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, it was, it that was like therapy too. You know, like I, I would, you know, bring, you know, bring a problem to him and, you know, we would talk out like, you know, how to, how to solve it, you know? And, uh, you know, I, um, I mean, I, I, you know, again, like I really just, I, I, uh, you know, I, I try very hard to, you know, 
you know, still kind of be like a student and, 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 and try and learn. And I'll also spend a lot of time just, you know, when something goes wrong and, and frequently as you know, no, I'm, I'm sure you know this <laughs> very well. It's things go wrong on a television show all the time. And, you know, when things go wrong, um, you know, I, I always like try and spend a little bit of time thinking about, you know, why something went wrong and, you know, how to just avoid that problem, you know, in the future and, and just, and, and try as much as possible just to, to, to learn from, you know, uh, from my mistakes. And, um, um, again, you know, I, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> the, that executive coach thing is, is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and one thing we've definitely talked about a lot on the podcast is how the industry is not, it doesn't seem to run itself like a proper business in terms of how it treats people and the skills you need to show to be promoted and so on. So the fact they're offering the executive coach, dare I say, it's probably more because of things that have gone wrong than than proactively <laughs> thinking it's a great idea. But it does sound like a exactly the right thing because a lot of big companies where there's millions of dollars at stake yeah. offer their senior team executive yeah. coaching because people need it. So I'm sort of pleased to hear it exists. I'd love to have been there when they decided to first do that and how it came about. Um, we've talked a lot about the part. I want to talk about the, the future. Yeah. So, you know, albeit now quite a long time ago, you know, you started with a feature and then you ended up in rooms and despite the show being cancelled and you weirdly having to write a script for no real reason in the way these things work. And then you went on to obviously, you know, do a lot of TV and now you've reached the, the top of that. Going forward, in terms of sort of career fulfillment, but also, I guess, personal fulfillment, mm-hmm. what, what, do you, what do you need to, to complete? You know, you've got past the eight years, so you've, you're a success in average WGA terms. But what do you need to complete it? Do you want to, is it you need a, a movie where you actually stay on all the way through till the end? Yeah. Is it maybe a different type of TV show, which is maybe a, you know, a real personal project that you want to see achieved? Um, is it, you know, do you want to go off and do novels or comics? You know, what is it that you need next to, to complete your own arc? I, you know, look, I, I, I love working in television. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I would like to, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've been writing, I guess, you know, uh, you know, if you want to just, you know, put five on Magnum, you know, in, in, in a certain category, you know, procedurals, you know, I've, I've been, you know, doing that for, you know, uh, you know, 10 years now, you know, the show that I wrote on before, you know, that, that I wrote on for four years was not a procedural, um, you know, it was, it was a family drama, you know, with no real sort of story engine. I, I'd like to get back to that, you know, uh, a little bit more. I mean, you know, one, one of the things about, you know, 5.0 that I, I really loved, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, Noah can speak to this as well, was that in, in a lot of ways, it was like a family drama, you know, and, uh, you know, but you still had to service, you know, that, that procedural, you know, side of the show, you know, because that's what, you know, that's what it was, um, you know, and, and, you know, Magnum, it's, it's the same way. It's, it's, uh, you know, we, we still have to do that case of the week and, uh, you know, and, and, and it's almost like, you know, the least important part of the show. Um, but, you know, it's still, 
you know, it, it's, you know, it still has to be interesting and it still has to feel fresh and it still has to have great turns. Um, and, you know, it, it can really, um, you know, working on a procedural can be a lot of fun, but it's like, you know, but it's also like, you know, it's like solving a math problem every week, like a really hard math problem, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, it would be, you know, great to, you know, uh, you know, to, to just try something else. Um, I think I'm also just after, you know, you know, uh, like I said, like 14 years of, of this and, and, you know, being on shows that do, you know, 20 or 25, even, you know, episodes, you know, I am kind of, you know, ready to, you know, do something that's more like, you know, 10 episodes, you know, and, uh, um, and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, network television is just, you know, it is such a grind, you know, um, you know, Magnum right now we're, we're cross-boarding 14 out of 20 episodes and we shoot six and a half days and it's, 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 it's a brutal schedule. And, um, you know, I, I would love to, you know, just, you know, keep working in television, you know, do something that's not so procedural based and, and also, you know, uh, you know, you know, have just a little bit more time, you know, to, to break story and, uh, and, and to go down, you know, you know, you, you're under such intense deadlines on, on a network show, um, that, you know, you, you don't have a whole lot of time to, you know, go down too many blind alleys, you know? And, uh, so I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's a long-winded answer, but I, uh, I would, I would, I would, I would like to be on a show where I, you know, I just have a little bit more time, you know, to break story, and uh, where, you know, you know, we don't have to crank out, you know, 20 episodes or 22 and, you know, you can just focus on, you know, 10 or 12, um, you know, I, I and, and, and I talk to a lot of network writers, you know, about this and they're all would love to, you know, move into the streaming space. We're getting to the time of the podcast where we normally ask our last question, but I want to sneak in one more question before we get there, which is, uh, you know, you mentioned the concept of a family drama, you know, and yes, the I, I know that for sure on Hawaii Five O, the importance of the family element, but I want to talk about the family, you know, the side of things behind behind the scenes that that these are families that you've worked yeah. on the Magnum Hawaii Five O family for a long time, and you had an interesting situation where you found out somewhat unexpectedly, I think, if I if, if I'm right. Uh, correcting having heard the story that Magnum was canceled yeah. uh and and then you know as many people know and as you know I can say here you you got you got picked up again by a different network on NBC and you're you're still going but can you talk about that 30 minutes where you get the phone call probably you directly mm -hmm. your show is canceled yeah. who do you talk to next how do you navigate telling a lot of people that suddenly unexpectedly they are not going to have the paychecks that they were expecting and they all have to find new work and then yeah. And then, then of course, the good news that it was saved. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, the, the cancellation, you know, first of all, came as a real surprise, you know, to me, even though, you know, in retrospect, I, I really should have seen it coming. And people were kind of like warning me that, you know, you guys might not come back. But I just, I did, whatever, I didn't believe it so much so that when I, when I got that phone call, um, I was actually in a, in a Zoom with some of the other writers. We were talking about season five and we'd been talking about season five for a few days. And I'd been working on season five for, you know, about four weeks, you know, just on my own. Um, and, 
you know, I, I hopped off the zoom, you know, got the news. Um, and then I, I got back on the zoom, you know, gathered everyone as quickly as I could. And I broke the news and it's, uh, you know, it's awful. I mean, it, 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 it does, you know, it, it feels like, you know, I guess, you know, like, like, like someone has died, you know, and then you have to start, you know, uh, you know, making all these, you know, calls and breaking the news to people. And it's, it's, it's the worst kind of, uh, you know, phone call, you know, that, 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 that you can make, um, you know, especially like, you know, on, on, on Magnum, which is, it was a very, you know, tight group, you know, and that, that's like one of the worst things I, you know, I think, or, I mean, sometimes it can be a good thing, but when a show gets canceled, like all of a sudden, you know, this family that you've had, you know, breaks up, and it's really sad. And that's like, I think actually for me, like when the show got canceled, that was the worst, that was the worst part of it, you know, was, uh, you know, I, I was working with people that I genuinely liked in a cast that I genuinely liked and all of a sudden it's gone. And, uh, I, you know, for me, at least I, you know, I was focused more on that than like, you know, the loss of, you know, security and a paycheck and, you know, the, you know, the ability to continue, you know, telling stories. I mean, losing all that sucked too, but worst of all was, you know, thinking that uh, I wasn't going to get to, you know, work with, with these people anymore um, or at least not all of them, you know? Um, but uh, you know, it, uh, I, I still can't believe that we actually, you know, you know, cheated death and and that we actually did come back. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a rare thing, you know, in our business and, and our, you know, and we consider ourselves incredibly fortunate that, uh, that, you know, NBC came in and, and, uh, you know, and rescued us and, uh, and that we get to keep doing this and that we keep, get to keep doing it together. You know, um, I mean, it, I, I kind of joke sometimes that it's like, you know, um, it, 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 that, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of shows that, you know, it, they should be canceled and then brought back because it really does. It makes you appreciate um, what you have even more. Not not that, you know, people didn't, everyone did, but it really does make you appreciate each other and 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 your and your coworkers. And, uh, um, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm 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 thrilled that, you know, NBC, you know, brought the show back and we did lose people. You know, I mean, you mentioned Mike, you know, he's he's a great guy. And you know, we actually lost a couple of writers, you know, during that six week period that, that we were that we were canceled. And, and we lost a couple of department heads that I was close with. And uh, and that was hard. Um, but but enough people stuck around and uh, that, um, you know, we were we were able to move forward and. And, uh, you know, thankfully I didn't have to, you know, crew up, uh, again and, and, you know, find a whole bunch of writers and, um, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it was, it, we were, we were pretty fortunate. And presumably making the we're back phone call was <laughs> as much fun as the we're canceled phone call was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it it's the honestly the effort to bring the show back started literally within 5 minutes of being canceled. Like I was on with John Davis, who's one of our EPs, and he's like, you know, listen, don't don't take another job, don't sign another deal. Let's try to save this. Like, uh, let me do what I do and uh, you know, and 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 let's you know, I, I, let's, let's find another home for this. Like, I, I don't want to give up. And, uh, 
you know, and that started this like kind of four to six week process of bringing the show back. And, you know, we were given a, a, a budget number that we had to hit, you know, before they would, they, they would agree to pick up uh, the show. Um, so, you know, and, and very quickly, you know, it got out that we were trying to save the show. So th- there was a constant stream of phone calls and texts and emails every day for about six weeks. You know, what do you know? What do you hear? Uh, you know, what can you tell me? And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I really tried as much as possible to play things close to the vest because I really didn't want to get anyone's hopes up because I also felt like, you know, I was so optimistic that the show was coming back and people would ask me, you know, is the show coming back? And I'd be like, this is before we were canceled. And I'd be like, I feel really good about our chances. And then we were canceled. So then, you know, when, when, you know, this effort to bring the show back, you know, uh, started, uh, and everyone was asking me, are we going to come back? I really didn't want to, you know, tell them like what I knew, like I really played things close to the vest. Um, and, uh, you know, I also like there, cause there were people who would call and be like, you know, I have, a, I have another offer, you know, to, to go on another show, but I want to stay with Magnum. But, you know, if, 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 you know, if we're not going to like, I don't know what to do that those, those conversations were hard because it's like, well, I don't want to lose you if we come back at the same time. I don't, I don't want to stand in your way. So I just, my, I took a, the, my policy was just, here's what I know. Uh, I, I, we're doing our best, you know, uh, but you, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. If we come back, I would love nothing more than for you to be there, but I, I can't make this decision for you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, once it, it became clear, you know, uh, that uh, that we were coming back, you know, definitely, you know, getting on the phone with, you know, everyone and, and sending out, you know, uh, texts and emails and just seeing the response, it, it was amazing. It, it was it was such a great feeling. Um, everyone was so excited, you know, because I, I think we all genuinely enjoy working on the show. We, we you know, and that's not always the case. And but, you know, we have a show that we we enjoy writing, we enjoy producing. And uh, and more than that, you know, I we really enjoy working with each other. So, um, you know, uh, again, I, I think people were certainly happy to hear that that, that they were going to you know have a job for another season. But I think also people were genuinely thrilled that you know, this, this family, you know, that, that Noah mentioned got to, you know, stay together. Um, so it, it, it was a really special thing. Right. I'm glad Noah asked that extra question. That's fascinating. Um, so unfortunately we've reached the last question of the podcast as often happens on podcasts. And it's the same question we ask every guest, which is if you could give a single piece of advice to somebody looking to enter the industry, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> Um, I, you know, th- I'm going to give a piece of advice, but it, it, it's, I'm sure you've gotten this answer. You, what do you say? This is the 80, 81 podcast. You know, you probably, I, you probably gotten this answer like 75, at least out of 81 times. It, and, and, and Dan, you said it earlier, you, you have to write, you know, you have to, you have to write, you have to find your voice, be true to your voice um, you know, uh, you, uh, you know, you also have to, you also have to read, you know, you have to read a lot of scripts too. Uh, you know, I would, I would, you know, encourage people to, you know, to do that as well. And, 
you know, it's, it is a, it, 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 it's definitely, it, it, it is, a, it is a hard job, um, and, and know that going in and, uh, you know, and it's a craft and you really have to work at it. You know, you have to, you know, you have to write sometimes, you know, 10 scripts, you know, before the, you know, you finally sort of break through. In my case, I wrote one script, you know, broke through and then had to learn how to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, and um, I, I was almost like sort of, you know, paid to, you know, learn how to write. But, uh, you know, just, you know, keep writing and, uh, you know, and find your voice and 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 stay true to that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, it, it's not I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people given the same advice. It, it's almost a cliche at this point, but but it's a it's a cliche because it's true. Yeah, super. Thank you very much. I think actually only three people have given that piece of advice, uh, but it still remains an excellent piece of advice. But um, uh, Eric Guggenheim, who started with a career miracle and then rose to the top of TV, thank you very much indeed for coming on our podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, Eric. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss. As always, it's this episode was brought to you by Scriptation, the screen writing and annotation software that at the very least has made my life easier and will make your life easier as well. Uh, we'd like to thank our wives who put up with us recording these episodes in our offices and basements and closets and bathrooms and anywhere we can get a little space to record an interview. And of course, we want to thank James Launch who provided us with the great intro and outro music. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find Noah at nevslin on Twitter, tweeting a variety of writer-based nonsense and uh, some terrible puns and occasionally begging for sponsorship. Uh, if you want more refined tweets, mostly about football and whiskey, you can find me at Dan Rutstein. If you're interested in buying a copy of Scriptation, if you go to www.scriptation.com backslash Sitha, S-I-T-H-A, you will receive a special discount. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, please give us any feedback, mostly positive stuff about me, and we will see you next week. And if you do say a negative thing about Dan, there is a chance I might buy you a free copy of Scriptation. <laughs>